Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Discover More, where we strive to discover more through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast will serve as a space to exchange ideas from the collective experience. Uh, the reason why we have two hosts, uh, Aiden and myself, is because Uh, Adam will be facilitating the conversations, and then both of us will be contributing our fair share of ideas and opi- opinions about an array of topics. And in the future, we do definitely foresee having、uh, guests on from both private and public sector, or just people who we think are interesting.、Uh, because once we facilitate ideas, then the more we talk, the more ideas and topics and like array of topics we discuss,、uh, it is going to be inevitable that we are going to learn something from each other. Because as a lifelong learner s and with the whole growth mindset,、uh, the whole point is to you know,、uh, discuss, you know, just talk about、uh, different things, and in the hopes that、uh, maybe ourselves or maybe a third person or audience can take something away from it. And I feel like if that goal is achieved, then we probably did something、uh, good or insightful at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a big thing that you said、um, that a lot of people might not be familiar with is the idea of a growth mindset. I actually read the, I think it might have been the Stanford study, but Carol Dweck, her book Mindset. You should check it out if you haven't read it yet, but she, it's a book about the mindset of that. And the whole idea is you can actually get smarter, right? So, not that, you know, it was the same test, which I think alludes to the study, is that they actually got better and, you know, honed their skills throughout the, diff- the time between the first test and the fourth test, right? With the growth mindset. People can actually get smarter. A lot of studies are coming out now that you can actually improve your IQ、um, over the course of your life by just taking very small measures. So, you know, to your point, I think it's more so the process of trusting the growth mindset and taking the steps rather than depending on real ability. So, you know, if we can continue with the growth mindset, I think that's a big. Emphasis on kind of what we're trying to accomplish and go from there. Yeah, and also, yeah, to your point, Aiden, that the whole growth mindset and Carol is that I like to use, you know, like Gary Vee, he's a pretty popular entrepreneur, extremely successful. His mantra of trust the process, obviously, that's also the mantra for the 76 years, trust the process. Yes, it is. Because I want this to be a journey that we embarked on, not just for the short term gains of whether the podcast world is being unmonetized. Or whether we're seeing the opportunity. But at the end of the day, I really believe in what we do. I believe there's un- a lot of untapped potential, not just monetary and financial incentives and potential, but rather there's just a lot more room for us to give. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, on that note, uh, Aiden, do you want to maybe just briefly uh, introduce who you are as a person, your backgrounds, your life in a nutshell, and I'll do the same. Sure. So I grew up um, very close to Philadelphia. So I was born in Roxborough, which is right outside of Philadelphia. Um, to two parents who also had grown up in the Philadelphia suburbs. So I'm very local to this area, but because of that have tried to extrapolate my experience by seeing as much as possible. So I was born into an Italian family on my mom's side. And if anyone is Italian, they know that food is a very prevalent part of that culture. So my grandmother and grandfather took it upon themselves to feed me all the time, whether I was hungry or not. So. The big thing that I identified with as a child was being severely obese. So coupled with the fact that I was constantly fed by my loving family, I also was diagnosed with a thyroid issue, which basically means that my thyroid wouldn't digest the food and use it as efficiently as possible. Coupled with this um, you know, family situation, this led to a very being very overweight as a child, and this was all identified with at, it throughout my childhood. So this carried into all aspects of life, whether it was physical appearance or basically my personality, because when you're a child, that's kind of what couples through everything. So this led to my athleticism starting out as the most athletic kid in my entire grade. I scored 10 goals in my first soccer game ever, and then everyone else learned how to run. And then I was confined to playing goalie because that was the only position that you know I could keep up with. I also tried to blend in as much as possible just to avoid any ridicule or teasing from, you know, typical middle schoolers. That was kind of just life as I knew it. And this really changed over the past few years. That was definitely almost a different life of living in. Um, throughout high school, I, pr- because of this issue, I prided myself on my academics. I studied hard. I took high school a lot more seriously than most other people in high school. So it was expected both from myself, my family, um, and my peers to go to a, like you said, top 15 school. I applied to, I think, 15 schools and got into 12 of them, um, including some like BC or Boston College, UVA, things of that sort. And the bottom of my list, the bottom one that I intended on going to was Penn State, but Penn State was where I ended up, and I'm so grateful that I did, because I look out on some of my friends that went to some of the more prestigious schools and didn't receive, to what you alluded to, the more holistic experience of an actual college experience, where you actually get to interact with people of different socioeconomic statuses, different backgrounds. Like Penn State, everyone refers to it as Pennsylvania, where sure, there are a lot of kids from center of Pennsylvania, but as well as a lot of international students, a lot of people from different states, it really, that Big Ten state school experience gave me exposure to a lot of people that I don't think I would have experienced at something like Boston College or something like UVA where it's predominantly people from in-state or predominantly people with money. So I'm very glad and grateful for my Penn State experience because it really brought me out of my shell of being an overweight scholar in high school and really allowed me to work on my social relationships and learn how to interact with people, which 
I majored or I did a five-year master's of accounting program then went to a big four which I was a lot I excelled at because of the social things that I learned at Penn State but shortly after probably a month in I realized it quickly wasn't for me I went into work every day overworked unfulfilled I was working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m with an hour and a half, 60 mile commute on both sides of it. So most nights I was getting six hours of sleep and had to sacrifice the gym, morning routines, time with family, time with friends, all for this job. And I quickly realized that life was too short to be a slave to corporate America. I know it works for a lot of people and I'm not knocking that whatsoever, but it's what works for each specific person. And I personally really value my independence. I really value being able to structure my own day and do the things that I'm passionate about. And at this accounting firm just simply wasn't an available, an available option. So following this, uh, I worked from there from September of 2017 to September of 2018 and then moved into my current role where I am working at a health insurance company uh, doing corporate finance, which is still financially um, financially re relatable, but still slightly different. And the thing about the current company is they provide health insurance to low income families throughout Philadelphia. So. Obviously there's a purpose and mission behind what I'm doing, but more so the people there also share that mission. So I'm just finding the people there more purpose focused and um, more meaningful in the interaction. So I've been able to foster a lot more significant relationships at my current job in just the nine months that I've been there, more so than the entire time that I spent at my public accounting firm. Um, and. I guess this is kind of where it bridges into what I'm really passionate about because once I left Penn State or once I left my accounting job is I really had time to look internally and focus on what really matters to me. Um, I was able to just voice that I'm independent and value my own time but that's something that's probably figured out in the past six months or so because I really was able to shine a light on what I actually was looking for in a job when you're working 60 hour weeks you don't actually recognize what you inherently want you basically recognize what people want for you what the company is looking for you what the peers are telling you to do you almost don't have time to look inward so once I was blessed with this 40 hour a week job I was able to actually figure out the passions and purposes that I want to continue to reach for and continue to move towards. So the big thing there is, I guess, my overall passion and purpose right now is creating a healthier corporate world. At my time at public accounting, I saw people sitting in cubicles in front of LED lights for 12 hours a day, eating takeout three times a day, getting less than 2,000 steps a day. And personally, I've completely transformed from my childhood with obesity, going from 30% body fat at the age of 12 to currently under 10%. Um, I love to work out. I do so five times a week because I love to do it, because I'm grateful that I can work out and am blessed to actually be able to lift weights and walk around and have that experience, rather than that I'm forced to because I'm unhappy with my current body or physique image. So this is kind of my overall purpose, why I'm trying to give back to people in 
Philadelphia that don't have the opportunities to have uh, affordable health care, why I'm working out, why I have, I recently started a fitness Instagram that is just trying to share any kind of insightful tips to anyone that may find it relevant, specifically working in the corporate world because there's so many little things that you can do on a regular basis, whether that's meditating as soon as you wake up or taking a walk at lunch, or even just eating your vegetables. And if you don't like vegetables, there's a greens powder that can give you all of your vegetables in one day. So I'm really passionate about giving people access to information that allows them to live a happier and healthier life. What about you, Ben? Yes, yeah, so um, <clears throat> I currently live in Philadelphia, South Philly, um, so I'm pretty international, so my name is French, um, so I was born in Paris, I lived there for seven years, and I moved to Korea for six months, and then I moved to China, Sh Shanghai, China, for six and a half years, and I went to a boarding, a private high school in California, uh, San Diego, and after that, I, so I, I'm not sure how many of you are Aiden, if you're aware of what Tiger Mom is. So my mom grew up with, my mom, she's very strong. She's, she was an entrepreneur, business owner, very successful. But she's very, 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 very strong alpha personality, up your face kind of thing. So she wanted me to apply to all these top universities, very prestigious. And many of them were out of my league because I didn't really care for to study for SAT. And I, I had a girlfriend in high school at the time, so I got very lazy and very complacent. But so at the end of the day, I, I was, given the choice between to, join, uh, to enroll in NYU and Penn State. However, ultimately I decided to choose Penn State over NYU because NYU was not a college town and it was in the midst of one of the busiest cities in the world, which I was used to from living abroad. So I wanted something that's uniquely American, which was Penn State. So I committed to Penn State and you know, four years, it was a very holistic experience for me, socially, culturally, and academically. It was great school. So upon my graduation, I received numerous offers for jobs and I ultimately settled to become a, a management consultant for this boutique consulting firm in Arlington, VA. I chose this job because, you know, management consulting is a very glamorous role. It offers great benefits and salaries for a 21-year-old, me at the time. However, I was extremely unfulfilled and unsatisfied because I didn't understand what my purpose was what my meaning was. It was virtually impossible for me to identify with my purpose and my impact because I was just a pawn in this corporate American money-making machine. And this kind of goes back to what Gary Vee talked about uh, back in the days. I'm not sure if you listened to Gary Vee back then or not, but he talked about how the most problematic aspect of today's workforce for a lot of uh, millennials and Generation X uh, is that people spend 76% of their time uh, as in people spend from Monday to Friday just clocking in, clocking out, doing something that makes them miserable, looking forward to 24% of the time, which is the weekends. And that's how I was uh, working in the uh, corporate America sector, and that's what Aiden experienced working for a big four accounting firm. I absolutely hated it. But also, I didn't want to quit in the midst of working for my client, so I finished my project. And instead of seeking a new client, I chose to uh, depart from private sector. And I joined the largest education nonprofit in the United States called Teach for America. And I did that. And through that, I also did grad school at Penn. And now ultimately I am a program manager at the one of the largest uh, NGO in Philadelphia, working with the city of Philadelphia, working with DHS and marginalized families.
And through that, uh, from my experience from private sector and public sector, uh, I definitely enjoy my time a lot more. I feel a lot more fulfilled. I feel I have a sense of purpose. And, and once again, the ROI, the return on investment should be about happiness. And sure, working in the private sector, I made twice as much as I make now. However, I was intrinsically unfulfilled because money can only fill so much hole, right? And if you look at economics, there's a chart that's pretty well known. It's like the utility level versus your income. And the general consensus is that, economically speaking, once you make about $77,000, your utility actually stops. So once you make more than $77,000, of course, based on there's different factors, variables, and circumstances, but generally speaking, you're not necessarily happier, whether you make $150,000 or making $77,000. Because if you live in a cheaper, okay neighborhood with 100K, you're killing it. But if you want to try up to live up to what you don't have, be more glamorous, be more bombastic, and living in a $200,000 neighborhood, then you're miserable, right? Um, so that's, that's how I was, and I'm a lot happier. But of course, at the end of the day, I think the point of life or business or relationship, it's not about finding what works right away. It's not about, a passion doesn't just fall in your lap like a miracle. You have to find your passion, right? And so I don't necessarily know what works for me right now, but I've, through my experience, I am aware that what does not work for me. And in my case was management consulting in the private sector. I know that didn't work, I hated it. So I'm trying out the public sector right now in nonprofit, and I absolutely love it a lot more. Now to you. So kind of through this whole fitness journey, I've ranged from gym to gym all over Philadelphia, all over Delaware County where my family lives. And one of the gyms that I did end up working out at is Sweat Fitness in South Philadelphia, where I happened to bump into Benoit one day. And I think he's going to kind of tell you the story of how that came to life and how that brought us to where we are right now. So, yeah, so just to share a little bit more insight and backgrounds to both of our stories, where so the reason why so our faithful encounter definitely occurred in sweat fitness which is in south philadelphia and we met through asking each other to spot for each other to be potentially at the time seemingly shallow workout partners however my commitment to fitness has a pretty deep rooted uh, story into how i spent my high school years in the united states so because I was the first international student that my private boarding school ever admitted, I definitely faced a lot of racism, a lot of stereotypes, and a lot of adversity. Not because my peers or my high school friends or bullies at the time were inherently evil, but it's more about the principle of exposure because they were not exposed to a person of my color, a person of my ethnicity, person of my accents, a person of my cultural backgrounds. So, and people fear or dislike what they're not used to or familiar with. So therefore I was bullied quite heavily in my freshman year in high school, which really made me question, you know, uh, did my parents make the right choice? Why am I here? Came all the way from, you know, Europe, Asia, and the United States to this supposedly prestigious boarding school. And I realized there's no point of you know, pointing fingers, uh, shifting blame to the others, blame the world, you know, blame my body image, blame my weight. I was a little bit obese at the time, which didn't help. 
so I decided to take actions. I decided to eat a little bit healthier. I decided to work out a little bit more and to actually join the football program at the time. So through my most distressed period, which was the first half of my freshman year in high school, I discovered this sport, American football, where you're allowed to hit people legally, which is great, which is not what something Asia had to offer at the time or even until this day. So I was like profoundly fascinated by the sport. I was like, wait, what? You can hit people on the field? And naturally, and probably the best thing that happened to me in the United States or my first year was that this became my coping mechanism. So I tried out after I lost about 50 pounds over the one summer, I was actually really fast and pretty athletic. So I made to the JV team uh, my freshman year. Even though I missed out on the football season, I tried out and the football coach at the time told me to, uh, I made it to the JV team. And then through practices, through Hell Week, and you know, through working out and sprints and all the drills, I made it onto the varsity team by junior year in high school. And I made, I was the second team, uh, all defense and the state, uh, my, sophomore, my junior and senior year, ultimately. And you know, but I didn't really get serious and too committed into like a fitness program or my fitness routine up until college. You know, Penn State's a Big Ten school, one of the best football programs out there. We had a pretty rocky bottom and rocky, shaky history the past few years, but I still believe we're the, one of the best programs out there. You know, so you see all these people with amazing physique, you know, aesthetic physique. You know, they're tall, they're big, athletic kids from all over the states and all of the world, like Aiden talked about. So which really, really motivated me to even further commit on my fitness journey, even aside from my sports from high school. So I became super committed, learned about meal prepping, all the macro nutritions, all the tips, all throughout college. And you know, post-college, flash forward to now, seven years later, seven, eight years later, I met Aiden in the gym. And I realized that he was one of the few people that I talked about, hey, why don't we work out in the morning? Because I work 60, 65 hours a week. Aiden's pretty busy with his accounting job. So we decided to work out 5.30 a.m. every day, five days a week for about three, four months until our uh, work schedule shifted a little bit and we uh, split it apart and he was working like 70 hours a week. So it didn't work out. But for those three, four months, we were working out every day consistently in the morning. And I, and I was curious, I was like, hey, why are you so committed? You know, why, why did you have that grit, that mental fortitude to wake up in the morning, to work out consistently an hour and a half every single morning? Because I don't believe a lot of people are audacious enough to do that. And I realized we have a lot of common interests. However, our greatest shared interest is definitely fitness, which is what brought us to here. Ultimately starting this podcast with him, us being co-hosts for this show. So, you know, I want to turn the mic back to uh, Aiden for a bit to for him to explain his upbringings and maybe some sort of obstacles and adversity he faced as a um, as a child, which really motivated him to become a committed person. Mm-hmm. Before I go there, I do want to point out that as much as fitness is our greatest shared interest, at least at a baseline, I almost just think or almost just realized I think our greatest shared interest is having a growth mindset. Absolutely. Because that almost 
transcends fitness into like all aspects of life right like always like bouncing podcasts back and forth between each other or even having a podcast what we're doing right now you know i think the fitness was kind of the uh the tangible of the intangible of the growth mindset but you know i think that kind of speaks volumes to what that 5:30 a.m routine did and not only was it you know something we could do together but also it allowed us to develop the friendship that we have today because it's a shared a shared struggle right like some days i was still in bed and i'd have a text from you hey i'm walking to the gym where are you at and nine times like if i didn't have that text i would have gone back to sleep or would have mashed the alarm clock like you know i've done so many times or many people do all the time um so i think that shared struggle is something that definitely allowed this to unfold um, which I'm really grateful for. So when it comes back to kind of my fitness journey, I recognize what it did for me, not only in terms of, I mean, more so like, I think when you really go through like a full tri- fitness transformation, you realize that the physical is so minuscule in the larger scale, right? It's not as much about how your body changes. Sure, it was great that I lost 60 pounds and, you know, 20% body fat, but it was more so who I became in the process. and the discipline and the work ethic that I adapted or I found in that in that process, right? Because a big slogan that everyone's probably heard at this point, but I really pride myself in or at least, you know, try and move towards all the time is how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And when we were going to fit or going to work out at five thirty, no questions asked, didn't matter. We also did this in the winter. It was like five degrees out most days. Like there was sometimes six inches of snow all the time, but no excuses. It was just what it was truly developed discipline and grit and hard work. And that kind of transcended from there into all aspects of my life. Like when I was doing fitness this passionately that made work no big deal that made relationships so much easier to move towards or navigate because you're used to the pain tolerance of going through all of that journey with fitness so I really just kind of recognize what it has done for me and I really want to share that with as many people as possible because with given the right information and I think the right information is something to really harp on because the market is so saturated right now i personally was an accounting major at penn state i have no background in exercise science or physiology but just from reading books listening to podcasts asking questions is the big thing doing as much as possible to gain as much knowledge as possible i think i've become fairly knowledgeable on the correct way to do things and sometimes when you're scrolling through instagram or facebook or even talking overhearing conversations at the gym sometimes like the other day i was at the gym it was a guy who was six three probably a buck ninety two ten he i overheard him tell his buddies like i'm only eating 1200 calories a day like he was priding himself he's like oh my cut is going so great i'm only eating 1200 tracking every day someone of that size eating 1200 calories that is hands down one of the worst things for you your body's stressed out you don't have enough nutrition you're just not doing anyone any favors but there's so much misinformation out there that it's easy to believe any figure with a any person with a audience automatically becomes an authority figure which is an unfortunate and i think severe problem that needs to be addressed with social media going forward so and um, it's also because diets are 
I'm super into diets because diet is tactical and short term. Mm-hmm. And diets only work and all these self-proclaimed gurus and fitness influencers, they make money off these poor, uneducated, you know, obese or people who are in needs is because people are so gravitate towards instant gratification. Mm-hmm. They want the results fast. Mm-hmm. That's why I think our mindsets and growth mindset and our discipline speak for themselves because we are committed to a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the long term, right? Kind of the continuous growth or continuous improvement. Lifestyle marathon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a sprint. Sometimes, Sometimes it's fun to sprint, but I mean, take action April or August, right? It's true. For sure. No, yeah, but to your point of, I think what made us more dedicated to fitness, and of course, fitness is just like a micro aspect of our life, but I heard a pretty famous saying, I might be betraying this, but it's about public public education gives you a job, but self-education gives you a wealth of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Because when you self-educate, that derives from your self-interest, your curiosity, it's innate. So you're going to work twice as hard because it's not a quota, Mm -hmm. but it's self-imposed. You do it because you want to, Mm -hmm. you know? And of course, you know, fitness brought us together as this accountability group. It fostered our beautiful friendship. However, I think we are where we are now because we both are lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. You've been a podcast listener for half your life. I've been a very, very committed, avid, podcast listener for the past few years and I realized that you know when you listen to these podcasts educational purposes when you read a lot of books which we both love I know you did the 20 book a year challenge last year which you completed which was amazing I read about 10 books last year but this year I started a bookstagram a book Instagram account and so far right now I'm on my book 18 and I should be able to hit that 20 mark before the year ends and we both love to learn because learning makes us feel better and learning for me it may be a selfish lens but the more i read the more i learn when i converse with people i feel like the conversations are more meaningful it's more interesting more profound and i just have a better time because i don't like just talking meaninglessly and aimlessly i like learning and when i'm talking to interacting with someone i want to bring something of value to them whatever it may be, educational, com- comedic, political, whatever aspect may be, and vice versa, I want to obtain or extract some sort of values or something meaningful for talking to this person for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, hours. Mm-hmm. I don't want to walk away feeling empty-handed, you know? Sometimes it can be a, not to say challenge, but sometimes you can make a game out of it of what can I learn from this specific person? If it's someone that you almost don't intend on being able to learn from whatsoever, right? Like someone that might completely have your opposite views or that maybe looked down upon by a lot of society, just some like almost incentivizing yourself to take away a lesson from any and every single person you interact with. Like on my last travel trip I certainly did this like no matter who I talked to I tried to extract some piece of wisdom or something that they had to contribute it's there's a saying I really like it's seek the virtues in everyone you meet and seek the vices in yourself so it's constantly trying to find what that person has to offer what they're good at and what they can contribute to the greater good and I think learning and curiosity 
really revolves around that. Like curiosity allows you to seek those things in other people that, you know, make them who they are and kind of being able to see how that fits into the bigger picture of, you know, what would benefit society. Yeah, I think the virtue that speaks to your point is humility, right? And I think this goes back to my college days where, you know, I'm, I may not be always the, the smartest person in the room, but I definitely pride myself for being way above average intelligence. I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm not afraid to put in the work, you know, eat the dirt for a while. So when I did come into Penn State, I was part of the Shriars Honors College, which is the Honors College at Penn State. So the class is a little bit more competitive, a little bit more rigorous. And, you know, by the time I graduated, I definitely put myself on a pedestal, especially when I got that prestigious management consulting role. I thought I had it all. I thought I was on top of this world. I treated females like trash. I objectified them. I was arrogant. I definitely did not, and I definitely did not, and was not willing to put in the time to, you know, treat everyone as they have something invaluable to share. Because the truth of the matter is, even your parents, who you know the most, assuming that you and your parents have a very good relationship, they only maybe know 80%, 70% of your lives. And there's so much stuff and stories that's beneath the surface that even your parents may not be aware of. So like, who are you to judge? You know, who are you to impose judgments on the other people? You don't know who they are. And I was extremely judgmental inwardly and hourly because I thought very highly of myself. That's the ego, right? That was my ego speaking loud and clear, which made me, you know, miss out on a lot of opportunities, you know, which made me very unhappy at my job, which made me burn a lot of bridges, ruin a lot of friendships. I didn't network as much because I didn't think there were too many people that was worth my networking or I only networked or I only interacted or conversed with smaller group of percentage of people because I thought many or most people aren't unworthy. That's potential profound or insightful wisdom that I missed out on, that you just spoke on. What taught you the humility? Do you think it was working in the public sector or quitting the last job? Like, was there a specific experience that prompted the humility or was it kind of a gradual process of just maturity, reading books, experiencing more of life? I think it's accumulation and a multitude of factors, but so, a point that I forgot to mention is I'm also in the Army Reserve because I wanted to be a diplomat for a long time due to my qualingual skills and my global uh, background. And one of the most effective or this, I guess safest way to have a better chance of working for the State Department is military or Peace Corps. And I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm not very big on theories. So I wanted to do something more impactful, something really transformative. Mm-hmm. So I uh, swore in and I joined the military and I um, went to the basic uh, basic combat training, AIT, and I became a uh, U.S. soldier in the reserve. And, you know, through that and, you know, different hardships and, you know, a lot of times when you think you're on the top of the world, the life always finds its way to three curveballs or lemons, right? Because the saying is, you're going to learn one way or the other but you get to choose whether you're going to learn the easy way or the optimal way or the hard way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I unfortunately had to learn through a lot of hard ways, you know, through a lot of negative interactions. 
And you know, uh, there were many reasons that prompted me to quit my management consulting job because I felt unfulfilled and I thought I was just part of the process, but also I didn't have a very good relationship with my peers or my boss because I thought I was better than they were. I thought my manager was only my boss because of he put in more years than I have, but I ultimately thought I was far more qualified and far more skilled than he was, which definitely and ultimately led to a very bad hostile environment which was self-inflicted entirely so you know and now i look back at it i feel like yeah, humility matters a lot and you know it's also a perspective four words have almost meaning in my life which are experience perspective humility and empathy and in those respective order because i feel like there cannot be no perspective without the experience you have to live through it you have to go through some shit. you have to you know go through some hardships, catch some curveballs, eat some lemons to have that perspective. And once you have that perspective, because everything's about perspective, once you do have that perspective, then you have the humility. Because now you understand what other people go through, which breeds empathy, you know? Because I think you can only be empathetic towards someone if you can walk a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And the empathy is not possible without humility. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I and truly to come agree. Really full circle with it. I think empathy is the only thing that breeds connection, and connection is really what everyone's looking for these days, right? So you almost need to start at the top of experience, experiencing as much as possible, eating as many lemons as possible, or as many as you have to in some situations. Whereas then you can come full circle, go through your process, and come out on the other side with connection. You know, because that's something that so many people are looking for these days that realistically, there's just not enough experience out there. When you can see or do anything from the touch of your phone, people aren't getting the experience of even something as basic as playing outside, which that whole like people might not be playing sports in five or 10 years. And, you know, that gives you the experience, the perspective, all of the knowledge that you learn from playing sports that ultimately leads to the connection through that. So... Yeah, and to that point, uh, although we are relatively young to, you know, we are by no means gurus or experts in our fields. However, because we both are so fond and passionate about readings, learning, podcasts, conversing, and just growing, you know, individually, collectively, and I truly believe that each and one of us and both of us combined have really invaluable things to offer. And we're hoping to, you know, learn more, discover more, and grow through the experience. Which is why we started this podcast as our passion project, where we want to, you know, provide maximum value to the audiences, but, you know, more importantly, to pursue our passion, which is to discover, to learn, and to grow through intentional and meaningful dialogues.